Alrighty, guys, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland, Mr. Odell Norman. Odell, how are you feeling tonight? I am feeling great. Great, great, great. <laughs> Why? Because of all of like the great news on the news every day, and why are you feeling great today? Just you know, it's just this. Uh, you know, aside from the great news that we get every day, you know that you know bombards us that you know can't live can't live without that. But you know, uh, the one and only Fred Schneider. We're getting ready to talk to a legend. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, Not every day. your pants and act like an idiot fanboy? Because I'm beating back the urge to do just that. I, I'm, I'm very close to, you know, the, the, the Chris Farley skit on uh, Saturday Night Live where he has, like, the famous person, and he's like, you know, do you remember the time when you did that? And, you know, then also he's like, oh, my God, I really screwed it up. I really screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, don't go Chris Farley on me. <laughs> All right, lurking in the background, as always, is our magnificent producer, D. D. I don't think I introduced you last night when we were talking to Anna. No, you didn't. My what radio is... apologies. That's okay. Um... How absurd of me not to introduce you. I hadn't been on the air for a couple of weeks. I think I was missing a beat. And we're just so used to doing things a little bit differently. We are doing everything a lot differently. Um, of course, Every episode can always be found at www.tincan.media, or we can be found on castbox.fm um, under either Musical Osmosis or our other show that is up there right now is uh, Kettle of Fish. Um, but we're going to be doing some summer fun shows, so you'll never know when we're going to be on um, and when we're going to be posting new shows. So things are things are getting ready to be a little different, a little fun. Different is good, though, right? <laughs> and I like it, too, because we're going to do these 10 candid shows, and they're not going to be kind of as structured. I'm just going to wake up, pull an article, be like, well, this is ridiculous. And I'll just reach out to one of my comedian, actor, and musician friends and be like, hey, you want to talk about this today? And then I'll find somebody to co-host, either Odell, Fern, Rob, whoever's available that particular day. And we'll just kind of talk off the cuff, which I want to do more of. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing to do. Especially during the summer, man, because it's impossible to stay on a fucking schedule during the summer. Ooh, yes. And oh, my goodness, man. You're talking about changes. And then, of course, you throw into the, you know, the fact that the weather hasn't been really great. So you, a lot of things that you have already planned, you got to switch it over and make those things up and all kinds of wonderful things. I guess this is growing up now, 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 now. That's it. <laughs> All right. Before we get Fred in here, let's talk about this year's, which was the 33rd annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Yeah. Let me tell you who was inducted, and then we can say what we say every year. This oh. year inducted was Bon Jovi, The Cars, mm -hmm. Dire Straits, The Moody Blues, and someone named Nia, Nina, Nina Simone, who I don't know. Yes. Oh, my God. Seriously, oh, you don't know Nina, who Nina Simone, Simone is? Nina Simone, dude. Ooh, nah, she's oh a God, legend, dude. Yeah. It, Nina listen Simone. to her stuff. Yeah, she totally, totally deserved that shit. Nina I'll Simone. Yeah, like, it's long, long over this. <laughs> things I have to do. Shit, I mean, we long have over shows. This. How many shows do we have sitting on our queue? I don't know. Like, at least a full 24 hours. At least. No, Nina yeah. Simone's awesome. You've, you've probably heard me sing some of her stuff because, like, everybody knows Cinnamon, and it's amazing. Well, you she's, need to start hashtagging this stuff when you're singing around the house. Get done and be like, hashtag Nina Simone. Right. Yeah, she's, she is a legend. Keep yes. me in the loop, I, I, I was shocked that she wasn't in earlier. That's how I was like, what? Nina Simone's not even. What? Wait. Well, that was a, that's exactly what I was going to say. Every year um, after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, Every year we have a show right afterwards, and every year we say the same thing. Wait, they weren't in the Hall of Fame yet? What? What? They weren't in the yeah. Hall it, Like clockwork, and this year is no different. How in the hell have the, are the cars just now getting into the Rock and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame? Yeah, yeah. I mean, haven't they been broken up for like 10 years? How many years do you have to be broken up before they'll put you in this thing? I know. <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah, there's certain bands that get in really quick. 
and I and I understand, you know, the, the rationale behind, you know, getting some of the band. But when a band like Rush didn't get into like two, I think two years ago, and I'm not the biggest Rush fan, but you know, but you recognize their still, genius. you recognize the greatness, and it's like, what Rush isn't in rock and roll? It took them this long to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of which, I did some research before the show, and believe it or not, Fred Snyder nor the B-52s are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. How yeah. is this How is yeah. this possible? I'm going to talk yeah. to Fred yeah. about it too, but how in the fuck is this possible? <laughs> it's, it's amazing when you look at the artists that are not in there, like, and how long it took some of the groups to actually get in there. You're like, wow. You know, for example... Um, who was another one that finally got in? I think like Cream or whatever just recently got Didn't in. Not Tom too long Petty there. get in there recently too? Like right yeah, before. yeah. It wasn't too long. Yeah, I mean it's just like wow. I don't like you said. You know, you threw out Nina Simone's name. I'm like, wait a minute. That yeah, that's just crazy that you know she's not in there. Uh, as, as well, we, I can understand the Moody Blues because they weren't a band that really rocked the world, and I can even understand Bon Jovi because he's still kind of doing his thing. But when you have yeah. bands like the Cars and Dire Straits from the seventies and eighties that we grew mm-hmm. up with, and they were such mm-hmm. a fundamental part of the soundtrack of our youth, I sound like an episode yeah. of the fucking Wonder Years. The soundtrack of our youth. Um, yeah. it's just mind boggling to me that here we are in 2018 and these guys are still like na- just now getting in the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. Well, look how long it took for like hip hop acts to get in. You know, Is Kiss people in were like, yet? didn't Kiss just get in like last year Kiss? or something? Yeah. yeah. I think just la- like last year. Yeah. I think it was the end of this. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a band like run DMC was, I think the, probably the first hip hop group I think to get in. And it took them forever. And I was just like, man, you know, Aerosmith got in. And I'm like, wait a minute. These guys pretty much resur- helped resurrect their career. <laughs> and took, you well, know, to be fair, a whole it was like level. the fourth resurrection. Aerosmith broke up yeah. like, or retired <laughs> like 700 times. Mm-hmm. It was like the Ramones. I remember HF Festival like 1994 going to their farewell tour at HF Festival. Oh, it's like, this is our farewell tour. And then, like, two yeah. years later, they were back touring until one of them died or something. Well, I mean, it's amazing when you say, I mean, yeah, even bands like that, there's so many bands that aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that you're like, okay, it's, this is a travesty. It makes you <laughs> wonder about the process, man. It really does. I don't know what you have to do. I honestly don't. And it was, you know. I wonder I know how we'll much politics is behind it. I think there's a lot. I think there's. Because you have the wave, and and I and I understand the process is tough because you also have to realize that there's so many generations that are involved in 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 the process. So you can't just have everybody from like our parents' generation in there and not include bands from like that are getting in now. Like you know, like the I think Savannah got in recently, and um, those types of bands that. Pearl Jam, those type of bands that had such a major influence in the early night. I mean, that's a long time ago now. <laughs> so it's but like I feel you like gotta... you had to have relevant people around you, right? I remember when MTV yeah. or no, it wasn't MTV, it was the Grammys, and they introduced the heavy metal category for the first time. This was like in the nineties. And uh, the oh, yeah, nominees were like Jeffro Tall. I think he won, right? Didn't yeah, they Jeffro win? Tall won the first one, but he beat Metallica. It was Metallica yeah. Jeff Tall and then like a couple other, like Thin Liz- Lizzie or something, or Steppenwolf, yeah. a couple other ridiculous classic rock groups that I was like threw into that category. Yeah, and it's the same thing as uh, with the with, uh, rap. You remember, I think the first one, it was, you know, they, they I never forget, I was watching Yo! MTV Raps, and they had their own Grammy party, their own, their own Grammy edition, because um, they didn't have hip-hop as a section that they showed live so it was one of those like other people receiving awards tonight dj jazzy jeff and the yeah. fresh prince and you know and then it scrolled up on the screen real quick and i'm like wait a minute that was a um that was like the number one hit for a long time that year and you're just throwing them on there and it finally eventually it was like well okay we'll get forever to catch up yeah it was like okay we'll give you a slot you know and and then finally, they because people were boycotting because it was it was ridiculous who was winning and who should have been winning, 
Well, um, Rolling Stone released some of the highlights. I didn't actually watch the ceremony. It said the cars mm-hmm. played for the first time in 2011. Um, mm-hmm. Weezer Scott Schreiner, he said it was a dream of his to play with the cars, which he did at this. So I guess there was well, a yeah. lot of um, um, the Killers did a Tom Petty tribute. So I guess there was a lot of really good stuff. However, yeah. on the bad oh. end of the spectrum was Howard Stern. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I watched that speech, right, on YouTube. It was great. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's my problem with this. He gives his speech, right, and mm-hmm. HBO says they cut three minutes out. Howard Stern says they cut 15 minutes out. And that speech was already, uh-huh. like, 15 minutes long. So he's giving a yeah, half-hour speech- induction speech? Yeah, because it was like, uh, well, the thing is, I've seen a lot of the speeches. Like, um, I would like to time it. Yeah, that's a good idea, because I think when I watched it, I watched it again today before I left work. And I think it was like 13 minutes, 13 or 14 minutes, like you were saying. And and I'll, I have to look back, but I remember when, like, Dave Grohl and uh, Taylor Hawkins um, uh, inducted Rush. And their speech was pretty long, too. And then they had the whole, you know, how they play. So they even mimicked them and played like they were dressed like Rush was back in that one phase where they were wearing like all matching white stuff and they had the fake hair and everything. And, That's um, like and it was a really standstills phase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they were all dressed like that. That's what the Foo Fighters were when they covered them. Nice. And um, I, I remember, yeah, it was great. If you get a chance to watch, that was a great induction speech. And, um, but um, I remember. When I watched it, because I've watched it on HBO uh, a few times, and the speeches are pretty long. I, I mean, I can see where they edit it because it, it does, you know, they it, the the applause and 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 and. But somebody's the, way off, right? HBO is saying three minutes. Howard Stern saying fifteen minutes. So some no, I don't, somebody's no. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch the HBO version. I've only watched the one with Stern, the fool. And I'm like, wow! If they only if they only kept it till three minutes, and something's wrong because um, there's no way you would have got the gist well, of I that. I think the 13 speech. minute version you watched on HBO is supposed to be the edited version. So the so Holy HBO. Moly. That's what I'm saying. HBO is saying it was 16 minutes. Howard Stern is saying it was 28 minutes. And Holy cow! Then yeah, he, then, so yeah, that he, sounds yeah. a little hinky to me. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the the HBO one, I had no problem with it. That's the one that I saw today because um, that was, they that was a great speech. Like from at least from from um, you know from what I saw, just the way he presented them. Just it, he, I, he was Howard it was Stern. A great speech. <laughs> but here's the here's my only problem, and maybe this is an age thing now that I'm getting older. Howard Stern made a couple references to like jizz and all this kind of dirty stuff. And when he did that stuff in the 80s and 90s, he was cutting edge. But for some mm-hmm. reason, when I was watching him up there, kind of hunched over doing it, he just seemed like a, like a perverted old man to me. He didn't seem like this <laughs> cutting edge guy that was like, I'm pushing the boundaries of freedom of speech. He just seemed like right. a dirty old man to me. <laughs> well, the nice thing about it being on HBO is that, you know, it, you, can, you don't really have to push the boundaries because it's, it's HBO. But, um, yeah, That's yeah, I see saying. where you're There's coming no from. There's no purpose yeah. of him doing that now. So now that he's doing it and he's of that age, which I'm, I'm sure he's at least in his mid fifties by now, because I know he's no, got he's, ten years old. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, no, he's in, he's, yeah, he's in his sixties now, dude. Sixties, yeah. Or so he's, or he's about to get in the sixties. So now that he's not like fighting the machine, he just seems like a dirty old man. <laughs> and I didn't get as much out of it. I was like. Uh, oh. yeah. Look at the like this hunched over sixty year old talking about jizz. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> like it didn't do what it would have done for me when he was like on fucking fire with passion twenty years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but I thought it was. I just like the way he used the like the numbers. Like you know, they sold over this many million of copies. You know, and then he brought up the different things that in relation to it because he made a good point about a lot of the the. I mean, just he was taking the subtle jabs, but he was also keeping it, you know, moving forward about why why does it just like we're talking, why does it take so long for uh, yeah, it was fun certain loving. bands to get it. I mean, it wasn't yeah. hateful or, or malicious or anything. I just all the kind of overkill with the dirty talk, it just oh, yeah, seemed yeah. like it was time for him to kind of move on and pivot. Yeah. And yeah, refine yeah. stuff a little bit more. 
I see. I can see where you're coming from with that. Yep. All right, Adele. So we've got Fred Snyder from the Superions, and of course the B52s. I feel silly even telling people because everybody knows who Fred Snyder is. But let me tell you what he meant to us growing up because we came up in the punk age. We came up in the punk scene. Listen yeah. to punk music. However, there was always bands, no matter what party we we're at, no matter how many of the punk kids were there, that always broke through that were bands you could hear on the radio, such as Tool, Radiohead. Like, if you played Radiohead at one of our parties, nobody was going to be like, turn that off, poser. Everybody yeah. liked Radiohead. <laughs> Everybody liked Sublime. Everybody liked well, Tool. Not exactly dance music. I do like <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, we weren't exactly dancing either, Fred. Yeah, no. <laughs> you weren't you weren't jumping up and down and bumping into each other? Um, yeah, but it no was mosh it, pit. Oh, it was mosh pit. Oh, yeah, there was there was some yeah, there was some interesting. We used to have uh we Fred, we used to have this thing where certain songs would come on and if you were sitting on a sofa, you just so happened the sofa turned into a mosh pit, and you just jumped on whoever was on there and bounced around, and people it would totally freak people out. But you know, <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> and here's Fred Snyder. Um, let me jump right in <laughs> with this, Fred. The point is, is like even though we kind of had at that time because we were on the punk scene, and we kind of had like our little elitist punk attitude. B fifty twos was a band that could break through, and everybody was cool with us playing B fifty two at those parties. Well, we started out pretty punky. I mean, yeah. Rock Lobster and Strobe Light and uh, 52 Girls. I mean, we were at the tail end of the punk, and I think we sort of got new wave dance going. Yeah, yeah. And it's impossible to be mad if somebody puts on a B-52 song. That's how you guys resonated with everyone. Well, that's good. I would Absolutely. say it's better to be liked than hated. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I know for I know for me personally, um, the B fifty twos it was sort of one of those reverse type deals because growing up as a kid, like Nick and I were in our mid forties, so you know, that was that was at the time where it, where we lived, cable just you know, cable T V was just implemented, so M T V was like the big, you know, the thing that we watched. And that's where I got, you know, really uh into B fifty twos because of your videos. And then it was one of those things as I got older I started going back and 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 experiencing the the rest of the catalog the catalogs and then your music as well your solo stuff and then and then the other bands and um so what was it like um you know being one I, I have two a two part question what was it like during that time when all of a sudden you know you're seeing your video pretty much every day in a heavy rotation and then two just coming out of Athens Georgia where um. I, I feel personally just like uh, we're from the DC area where it's a very appreciated music scene from other musicians, but a lot of times it's not really known out to the world, how influential Athens, Georgia and the music there. Uh, That's was. a good point. Yeah. Athens, Athens was a magnet for uh, real creative types. And uh, so many people at, after they graduated, they just stayed there because at the time it was so cheap to live there. And there was so much to do. Well, after we left, there was so much to do. When we lived there, it was dead as a doornail. Um, <laughs> uh, we couldn't even play in town until after we played New York. Um, wow. Oh, wow. But uh, what was the second question? Oh, what was it like... Uh just seeing your video, like, especially like Love Shack and those videos being in like heavy rotation on MTV during a time when you know what? MTV... We, we, we really weren't, we, we were on, what is it, 330 minutes, what is it, 300? That show that was late at night. We weren't, you know, like... Oh, 120 minutes. 120 minutes, yeah. We yeah, were, we yeah. Were hair, but, well, we were a hair band, but not the kind of long hair guy band, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, and so Odell they, bring... they didn't really do much until, uh, love shack and then all of a sudden you know you know your your go-to wedding dance (laughs) well you know adele brings up a good point too because a couple times a year we'll have a true icon like yourself on or jamie farr or we had um margo kidder on recently and she just passed away so we're gonna have to do a tribute show for her but i'm always kind of intrigued when i get people on who are such a cultural influence how they see themselves. I mean, when you sit back and think about the fact that millions of people all over the world know who you are, 
They love your work. In fact, like right now, there's probably thousands of people listening to your music somewhere. Do you, does that give you pause? Or after 20 or 30 years of being such a cultural icon, is it like something you don't even think about anymore? No, I just came from a thrift store, so I guess I don't take myself too serious. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, because... Yeah, I, just, I don't think about it. I mean, it, it has perks when I want to do something. Um, and luckily, most everybody I meet is really nice. Um, awesome. So, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased, and I feel like the band's really accomplished something because um, after I dropped out of college, I certainly didn't have a career in mind. <laughs> yeah. And I never really <laughs> sang. You know, I wrote, but I didn't sing. And You wrote okay, so three, right? Sing. Pardon? You wrote poetry, right? Yeah, I wrote poetry, but I was in the in college. I was in the forestry school, and then I dropped out of that and went to like to creative writing. And I knew I was going to drop out. And a friend was doing a book of poetry, and a light bulb went off in my dim head. And I said, Ah, I'm going to do a book of poetry too. And uh, the teachers, uh, the professor said, You know, I don't understand any of this, but I know you're serious. So he gave me an A. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't serious. I, I wound up being serious because I really started enjoying it. And then some of the songs, some of the poems uh, became part of songs that we did later on. Right oh, wow. on. That's amazing. And you know, just to kind of put a cherry on top of my point I was making, anytime, if there's a store, like an adult store that opens up in town, Love Shack, and someone drives by it, they're going to be like singing Love Shack in your voice. Like, there's the Love Shack. That is such an impact on people. And it's just amazing to me. Like, you're like, oh, I just came back from a thrift store. I don't even think about that. I, I don't know how you even process like something like that. What, an adult uh, toy, toy and video store that's called the Love Shack? The fact that people will be kind of imitating your voice as they drive by it. That you're so ingrained in our culture. They're like, there goes the oh, Love okay. Shack, well, baby. You know what I'm saying? There's only, there's only one group that I've heard where the male, the singer sounds like me, and that they're called Hey Lady. They're named after uh, uh, something I say in the song Funplex. And right. Really? They're really good, and they make they make way more money than we ever did in the beginning. <laughs> wow! Them. You know they're 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 true fans. So, and I I've, I've seen them. They're really good. They're on YouTube. Hey Lady. Oh. Well, I'll definitely right. have to check them out, man. <laughs> um, talking about legacy and stuff like that, when we're talking about the B-52s, we were just earlier in this segment, we were chatting about the Rock and Roll ha Hall of Fame induction ceremony that just happened. And I did research for that, and I found out you guys, you or not, neither is the B-52s in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you care about stuff like that, or is that not even yeah, on your radar? It's, it's uh, you know, it's focused. Um, yeah, and if somebody doesn't like you, they can keep you off. And it really has nothing. It's supposed to be about influencing people, and we've influenced more fans and people than anybody in, inducted recently. That's true. I mean, that is very true. They were influenced by us. Run the gamut. Uh, no practice fact, but I, I don't mm -hmm. care. We're in the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. That's even older. We were okay. The new way band inducted into the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. Nice. That's yeah, I mean, awesome. it's always shocking to me, and also it was shocking when I kind of went through your catalog, and I was like, wait a second, the B-52s only have seven albums out? Because you guys have so many killer songs that have just been the soundtrack to, like, our youth and party days. I was shocked to find out you guys only had seven albums. I would have guessed you had, like, 15. Um, I wish we did more royalties, but um, <laughs> uh, we, we weren't prolific. We were just very... Uh, focused on doing the best songs we could. We didn't want any filler in our album. And you can tell that, too. It resonates. Yeah. I went through yeah. basically listened to everything over the past couple weeks. And just to kind of do a quick rundown of the B-52's history, and then I want to talk about some Superions. You guys started in 79. You had a self-entitled album. And I had read in an interview that you guys were kind of convinced to all move into the same house in the middle of nowhere, and you weren't happy with management. But a great album came out of that. Oh, yeah. Was mm -hmm. it because yeah. you were kind of jammed in and stressed out that happened, or did that kind of stifle the creative process? 
Well, we already had the uh, songs ready. Uh, mm-hmm. And some of the songs that were going to go on the second album. Uh, so uh, one one week I'm washing pots and pans at the health food, health food restaurant in Athens, and the next minute I'm going down to the Bahamas to record. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and we, we recorded it in three weeks for like $35,000. And that's back in the day when you could do stuff like that. Now everything it has to go through so many digital processes. I don't, I don't envy people, new bands coming up, I don't envy them in this day and age. I don't, I don't know how you, you have, I mean, you have to go viral somehow on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's all about more, you know, getting the hits, like you said, the followers, and then something gets established from that instead of actually, you know, the, taking the band and, and in a way sounding, nurturing them. Sounding like everybody else on uh, on the SoundCloud or something. Yeah. 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 I remember Sebastian Bach was talking about how, hey, you know, I've got my Facebook page, I've got over 100,000 followers, but we only sold like 15,000 copies of our latest CD. But then I looked it up and they still made like the Billboard Top 20. And it's su- such a difference that you could sell 15, 20,000 albums and still get on Billboard. Back in the day, you needed to sell millions of albums. You had to sell hundreds of thousands to get like the mm-hmm. top 10, yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy because they won't track digital sales. All right, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. So let's talk <laughs> about the next um, phase in your career. You took a semi-short hiatus after the death of your bandmate, Ricky Wilson, and he is, of course, the brother of Cindy Wilson. When yeah. you guys had to come back after that, because you're such a tight-knit band, I just can't imagine how that must have kind of disrupted the cohesiveness of your band, coming back and trying to be creative after that. Um. Well... We we didn't yeah you know, we didn't disband or anything. Uh, we just you know had to let Keith. Was, Ricky was his best friend forever since high yeah. school. right. And uh, Cindy's brother, of course. And um, it just when Keith was ready, talked to Cindy, and she wanted to get back. Um, and then they contacted Kate and I, and we said sure, you know. And uh, we uh, luckily wrote the biggest selling album of our career. Yeah, yeah. And and then you guys became really strong advocates too for I remember for, you know, at the time it was, you know, you know, AIDS and HIV was such a was yes. still sort of a, a newer type of thing that was going on in this country. And you guys oh, were yeah. one of the first, you know, not one of the uh one of the major acts to actually go out there and start doing like um prevention uh uh ads and things of that nature yeah, we which did was really impressive. and so many of our friends passed away from AIDS. Um it was it was it was a nightmare. Yeah, it yeah. sounds horrific, man. Absolutely. Um how do you keep the politics out of your music and focus on just the fun because I know you are passionate about many political and type of activist movements. Mm-hmm. We get to talk about it in interviews. <laughs> there you gonna, go. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about my uh, penciled in mustache or the girl's wig. Or, well, they don't even wear wigs anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd rather talk about what really matters to people. I know our music matters, so I, I don't, you know, that talk, that sort of talks for itself. So, I, I, you know, I'm very political. Yeah, and I couldn't imagine being in a band today, coming from the punk world especially, and that not bleed into my music. So bravo to you being able, because I know I read in an interview that you kind of want to keep those two things separate and give people something to party and feel good about. So hats off to you for being able to do that, because I wouldn't be able to restrain myself. Well, actually, Funplex, there's a lot, because in uh, upstate New York, Private property, hippie, be quiet. Your peace sign T-shirt could cause a riot. They after nine eleven, they actually threw uh, a father and son out of a mall for wearing peace sign T-shirts. So what? I mean, it's wow. like, okay. so I mean, we'll we'll put you know zingers in. Yeah, and yeah. Then we can talk about the politics of it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like you know what we were talking. Uh, Nick and I, we always have these conversations. Just the 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 stuff that's going on today just the you know the, oh, the, the it's a nightmare it's unbelievable. It's random unbelievable. phone calls 
because so many people have made so many concessions, and I'm not going to go too political or I'll never shut up, yeah. but so many people have made so many concessions, and for the first time in my life, and I don't want to overstate this, I'm not saying we're going to turn into Nazi Germany tomorrow, but I, for the first time in my life, I understand in a very real way how it happened. Just seeing people that I know personally make these kind of moral concessions. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, appealing to the alt-right is the, the worst thing that can possibly happen to America. Yeah, yep. yep. It's just that, Republicans don't care. Nope. They just want to stay in office. Well, now they don't want to stay in office. They just want to... Yeah, they're running. Break and run. Yeah, that is true. That is a good point. And that's the thing that even frustrates me even more is the fact that a lot of them will resign or say they're quitting, and then they come out and they want to stand and beat their hands on the pulpit instead of like, well, where was this when you were in office? <laughs> Why yeah, you our senator is doing that right now, Bob Corker. Yeah. It's like, come on, where was this when you were in office? This is what you're supposed to be doing. And we talked well, about care. this last time. Yeah, they don't time. care about They only care about rich people. That's I, it. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. And it's always funny to me when people we were me and D were just talking about this. We were watching that new Katie Couric series. And I was like, you know, these guys, are they've got these corporations and these politicians boot on their neck and they just want to punch down and blame everybody down the line. They just want to blame minorities and gay people and just everybody down the line. But they don't want to punch up and blame the corporations that are shipping these jobs overseas and paying less and less. It's just crazy. Oh, to yeah. Them. Yeah. They get a bonus, a one-time bonus, not raises. People want raises, not a bonus. Some people yeah. want raises. I think some people allow themselves to be told that bonus is going to sustain me. And that's why yeah, I always there's, say. There's some, there's some, there's some good uh, companies that care about their workers, but most, like, they don't want them to unionize and all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I work for a good company, so I'm not, of course, saying all corporations, but a great many of the problems we have now a is Citizens many, United. Yeah. yeah, Citizens United and on. And I've oh, been kind of yeah. preaching this narrative lately that I'm into, create like, weaponized creativity, that art has never been more important than it is now. Be, oh, and yeah. I give all my money to people that have like GoFundMe's that start art projects where I used to give the various cancer and things like that. Now I pump mm-hmm. all my extra money that I can give to charities and stuff to startups for things that are creative. Cause it's never been more important. Yeah. Well, that's another thing we, uh, we get to bring along uh, different uh, political and environmental groups uh, at shows to uh sell merchandise and hand out information. I think that's important. And they always yeah. are very appreciative. That's um, it. And I would recommend everybody join Public Citizen. That is one of the biggest mouthpieces for uh, the average American, despite all that we're talking about now. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that, because I'm not familiar with that group. Um, it's based in Washington, and they're fighting Citizens United. Uh, nice. They they go to Congress and tell it like a TI is, um, and a lot of times they're successful. Uh, but uh, go on, go uh, to Public Citizen. I think it's probably publiccitizen dot com or dot org. But I've been a member, and I just feel like they're they're. I'm putting my money where their mouth is. And that's another thing we talk about a lot on this. And I just wrote that down, too, so we can put it on our Musical Osmosis Facebook page. I want to share that with all the fans. Um, Do you feel like when somebody reaches your level or even just kind of any level in the public eye, they have an obligation to kind of use that platform to speak to causes that they're passionate about? Because we get people in here that are on both sides. Some people are like, I don't want to even let my political opinions be known. Do you think they have a responsibility to do that? Um, I think people should, as long as they know what they're talking about and can really. Yeah, that's important. Uh, and the people I know in the music business uh, know what they're talking about. Uh, but the people who say you shouldn't talk about uh, politics and this and that are the people, you know, you're probably boycotting. <laughs> That's true. 
That well, is very I always true. call them fascists. As soon as I see like s- somebody at an awards makes a speech and then and then the right starts flipping out and they're like, "Shut up! I don't want to hear that." I'm just like, God, you're so fascist. Every time somebody says something you don't like, you start flipping out. And it's one of the big problems I have with that whole like little alt right movement and those Trump dudes like on the far right. It's like they just flip out over everything. I know they can't take it. They're 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 the weenies. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote of the night. Yeah. You know, they're right. the right babies and you know. But yeah, they are the snowflake is. screaming, shut up, snowflake. Absolutely. All right, let me get back on track here, because like I said, man, we could sit here until midnight and talk politics. Um, oh, yeah. During the 80s, you guys released, and 90s, you guys released a string of hits. And then I think it was, what, 16 years before you released your next album. Why did you have that hiatus from the studio? Was it just creative burnout? Was it just general hectic life stuff? Yeah, well, we, we tried. Um, we put out Debbie um, <laughs> and Hallucinating Pluto. Uh, we wanted to make a big comeback when records weren't selling anymore. And you could make no money because everything was downloaded for free. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last one you came out with was in 2008, right? Was your last studio album. Uh, yes. Um, Funplex. Right. Funplex was in 2008. Yeah. What's going on? Because I've had a lot of fans. We've got some fan questions, too. And everybody's asking, because it's been 10 years since Funplex, are you guys going to do another studio? Because I know at one point you said you weren't, and then you kind of retracted that and said, yeah, we are. Are you guys planning on putting out another album as a B-52s, a new album in the studio? I don't know if it'd be a new, maybe it'd be covers. I don't know. Um, we, uh, we, Kate has a solo project going. I have a solo project going. Cindy has a solo project going. And Keith uh, retired from uh, touring and all that. Oh, okay. But he's still part of the band. But is it kind of this Blues Brother things pulling at you? Or like, we got to get the band back together. Do you have one more in you? You just got to get out. Um, I think, you know, we've been doing it for so long. I think we're ready for, uh, to you know, maybe after next year, maybe even uh, stop touring. Who knows? That would be, oh, man. And, And why? I mean... Who wants the every day two you know two hours and two and a half hours before you go to the airport, then fly the next day, then the next day? It's just like you know this is not. And buses are like ugh. <laughs> buses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No argument it, there. It, 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 it gets tiresome, and I've done okay. it for forty plus years. So. Well, I'm, I'm, no, wanna... I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> I mean, look like an old turkey now, but Fred, you could run <laughs> circles around us. Oh, I'm dude, sure. you you the are the most active. Level. I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, oh, you. I you're constantly busy. busy. I have a, a great burst of laziness now. Every all the time. Well, I've got friends <laughs> in the mid forties, and to me, they seem like elderly people. And I, you, me, and Dee have been having a lot of talks lately. Like, just don't let me turn into that. I'm only 47. I'm, I'm not even 47. I'll be 47 in June. Don't let me turn into that. I'm not ready to check out yet. So, yeah, I'm sure you can run circles no, around half the people. Out, but, you I know, know, I've got my projects going. I have my coffee. I'm part of a coffee company. Um, I have a line of coffee uh, called Fred Monster Blend. And so I go to Florida for that. It's uh, on communityroaster.com. Uh, That's awesome. I got Elvira to do a blend. So it's it, I, you know, we all have things. Kate has uh, some uh, hotels, and uh, Cindy has her solo project. So we're we're busy, and we don't have to go to the airport. You know, because I, like I said in uh, one of the songs for the Superior, there's just a dirty old bus with wings. That's it. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, let me go here then, because years ago I heard this rumor. You were playing with some of the guys from the Digits, and we were big Digit fans when we were little. Yeah. And I oh, kind of yeah. never gave it a second thought because there was no internet back then. And then I was researching for the show, 
And come to find out, you were doing a solo project with our buddy Rick Sims from the Digits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve Albini put me in touch with the Digits, Six Finger Satellite, Shadowy Men from a Shadowy Planet. And uh, I thought, I mean, I was, you know, there was a lot of anger in that album, but. Yes, there was. I think it's a really, one of my, you know, my best, some of my best work. Oh, I love that album. Now, the album oh, Deadly yeah. Cupcake, is it called Just Fred? Is that the name of the band? Because I was kind of confused. It was Deadly Cupcake, Just Fred, or Just Fred, Deadly Cupcake? Uh, the name of the album was Just Fred with uh, Deadly Cupcake. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. That's amazing. We're going to play some Bulldozer, and we'll be right back. Another thing from my punk rock youth. Um, years ago, Guttermouth, this punk band, I don't know if you're familiar with them, they released a song called What If, and it was about Fred Snyder auditioning for The Doors when he was a struggling college student in Athens, and they did this whole routine of them singing as you 
Doors songs kind of mashed in with B-52 songs. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't oh. give it another thought. And then I saw, like, I just figured it was a gag. But then I saw someone on Twitter a few weeks ago was like, hey, I, d- I was doing um, Doors covers as Fred Snyder at karaoke. But then I found out uh. the Doors beat me to it. And I couldn't <laughs> find anything on the Internet. But I don't know where this thing came from of people doing Fred Snyder doing the Doors. Do you ha- do you know well, anything about I this? I love the Doors. I mean, I don't know if I they probably have it going. Uh, come on, baby, light my fire. Come on, baby, exactly. Light my fire. You uh, never heard that song about you? I can, do better. I can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Were you aware of that song though, by Guttermouth? Because it's an amazing song. No. I- Definitely gonna check it out. Oh, I've got to send it. Oh, to dude, you. you got yeah, yeah. You have to check it out. It is incredible. All right, so that's just silly, and it's not based on anything, right? You didn't really audition for the Doors. No. <laughs> and you know, I thought it was nonsense too until I saw somebody on Twitter saying they did the same thing, and I was like, well, why are different people doing this? And I guess it was just some bizarre coincidence involving you. Yeah, that is definitely. Oh, that, that's, hey, Fred, yeah, I have a. They do a um, warm-up for uh, Second City, uh, Hey There, Fred Schneider. And then they, I forget what else they do after that, but I went, I have a friend, actually it's Steve Albini's wife. Right. Is mm-hmm. the, uh, he, uh, is the person to go to for Second City. And so she had me do uh, uh, stand, uh, not stand-up, but uh, improv. And uh, one time... They were doing the "Hey There, Fred Schneider," and I walked in and I go, "Yeah, watch," and they just went, "Oh, <laughs> amazing!" <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, actually they they say I did pretty well. You know, it's been a long time since I had done. I actually studied with uh, Gary Austin, who uh, started the Groundlings, like Pee Wee Herman and. Uh, uh, I run. Yeah, the Groundlings yeah. are an amazing group. John Lear used yeah. to be in the Groundlings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the funny thing was, I got on the subway to do it, but at the time I was still like, I don't really want to do anything unless the band is involved. And I almost turned around and went home. But luckily I stayed, and it really, it really helped me. That's cool. Well, that, and that's a good point, too, when you talk about the solo project, the Superions, um, B-52s. Do you have a different writing process when you're doing? I know you even collaborated with the Foo Fighters. Do you have a different writing process that you go through when you do collaborations or when you do solo stuff? Or is it kind of all from the same basket? Well, with collaborations I, or and solo stuff, I, do all, I write all the lyrics. And sometimes and, they just come to me and I... Uh, you know, and then I have to listen to them, write them out, and then redo them, especially with the Superions. And mm-hmm. uh, when I did Monster with John Cody, I just had the idea. I said, I just came up with the stupidest idea for a song. And uh, Monster turned out to be the biggest song on uh, the first uh, Fred Schneider and the Shake Society album. That yes. was great. I, that video, I remember. <laughs> I remember watching that video for the first time when I was young. I forgot somebody had it on a VHS tape, <laughs> and I was oh, just yeah. like, "Whoa, what was this? What is this?" And because I thought, you know, at that time it was one of those things. I was like, "Hey, man, you got to check this video out, dude." And then, um, well, they, would, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't play it on MTV because no, the hot dog with the hat looked like a penis. Yeah, wow. yep. <laughs> and now you would probably see like the Trump administration wearing that. Like things have gone so far beyond the pale. Nothing's shocking anymore. How do you even create when nothing's shocking anymore? Um, well, I've always liked um, sort of 50s uh, tongue-in-cheek naughty rather than dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like vaudeville. Covered. Yeah. Burlesque. Uh, you know, you know what he's if you if you're smart and know what I'm talking about, it's really funny. Otherwise, it just comes across as uh, you know, because mon- there's a monster in my pants. It turns out it's a dinosaur wearing the same underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I know Alice Cooper is from that vaudeville world, and he's my all-time favorite performer. And I love tongue in cheek. I love things not being stated 
and kind of using your imagination. We were talking about that last night, how Alice Cooper said, I'll bring a bow constrictor on stage because these people will see it as scary. These people will see it as sexual. Everybody gets yeah. a different experience from it. I think that's what the true innovators do in music. Well, yeah, I, li I like British humor, too. I like saying the stupidest things with a straight face. You know, yeah. be just real silly and say it with a straight face. Yeah, Dee gets mad at me because she says I have the best poker face in the world. And a lot of times I'll be being sarcastic and she doesn't know and gets offended. And you go, you know, I'm joking, right? And Dee, are you with us? You'll be like, I have no idea when you're joking. No, he does uh -huh. everything with deadpan. So I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to know when you're joking? I mean, it's That's if it's super duper dry and it could not be funny and then you're giving me this, it's just... It's like sometimes, like Aubrey Plaza and Parks and Rec, I can handle that. I love that. But Nick does it like every second of the day, and I'm just like, what? That's just my default position. All right, we got to get out of here in a few minutes. I got a couple mm -hmm. fan questions I've got to ask you, Fred. Um, the sure. first one is from Jordan, our buddy Jordan Cook. He wanted to know if Love Shack was based on an actual location. Well, my, I came up, I mean, I, it turns out there were other bands that had done a song called love shack I, that i'd never heard so when i was thinking love shack i was thinking of this disco african-american disco in the middle of nowhere in georgia back in the day before the band started and it was like this shack and you open the door and all of a sudden you're in this wild funk club so that That's was awesome to the love shack and i was gonna say that sounds like a place i want to go to oh yeah i don't know it's called it was called the hawaiian holly and I don't know why. <laughs> there was nothing Hawaiian about it in the middle of BF, Georgia, you know. It's, um, and uh, so, and our philosophy has always been everyone's invited to our party. I mean, my yeah, mother is so true. Me. So, uh, yeah. Hey, you know, uh, we started out as a party band. We'd like to keep the party going, and people will really get us, so. I, and I think people do. Um, let me give you one more question. It comes from our buddy Jake Allen. He wants to know your favorite moment while touring. That's got to be an, an insane question. You probably had so many moments. Oh, fa favorite moment while touring? Uh, well, we just did three nights last year at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, and wow. Two nights were sold out, and another night was almost sold out. So that was like, that was a highlight. And another highlight was playing uh, Earth Day uh, after Love Shack was out. And I asked the police, how many people are here in Central Park to see us? And he said a million. Oh, my God. And, Back you know, to how I, do you process that? Yeah, and Murdoch's rag said, you know, it was like half a million, but even half a million. Hello. But it, uh, yeah. the police said, no, this is definitely a million. Well, I, I remember um, my highlight was, uh, and you and I know you remember this, Fred and Nick, is um, the every summer at RFK, they used to do the HF Festival when uh, HFS was uh, the big big radio station. Oh, and I remember, yeah. yeah, and I remember you guys playing, and I just remember everybody was just mesmerized. It was one of the most fun times I've ever had in that stadium was when you guys came on. You guys, I mean, the place was packed. Everybody was really anticipating you guys to play. And I just remember you had that, you had that whole crowd, the whole stadium in the palm of your hand that, that day. It was absolutely, people that I never seen dance or never thought would dance that we came with were dancing. I'm, I'm looking over like, holy it's cow. It's infectious, man. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Conga lines everywhere. Beach balls were flying everywhere. It was absolutely, it was a blast. Absolute Fred brings blast. a party, that's for sure. <laughs> well, great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. Still, we still rock the house. That's awesome. That is so I, awesome. Let me kind of finish up with this. I want to hit some superiors real quick, but there's one more thing I want yeah. to talk to you about. Um, we have a lot of comedians and actors and musicians come through here, and they're all creative people, and they're really good at the creative end. But they, a lot of them are like, man, I'm just really lousy at the business end. But it seems like B-52s made a lot of smart decisions, like, from the start. Do you find yourself no, that you're no, pretty savvy no, not, with business? Not really. We, we were screwed over for a long time. Uh, oh, wow. But now, you know, everyone's doing okay, so 
but yeah, we we made some mistakes, and we were naive, and we were taken advantage of by pe- by notorious people who take advantage of people. Yeah. Well, I know when I read in that interview that you, you know, your gut instinct was like, I don't want to move into this type of environment and stuff like that. And you did it and you pulled together a great album out of that experience. And I was just like, er- the way that everything was going, it just seemed like you were making smart decisions because, you know, you had your self-entitled album. And by the second album, you guys were really, by Wild Planet, by 1980, you guys were like really rocking along. Yeah, we were stuck for six years with the first manager and then... Ricky passed away, and we got new management. And, but All right. uh, now we have great management. Well, that is good to hear. All right, let's end with some really Superions good. talk. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Superions lately. The, of course, it has that Fred Snyder vibe, but you can. It's different to be fifty twos, but you can tell it has that vibe. What do you feel like creatively you're getting out of this experience with the Superions, if anything, that you weren't getting with the B-52s? How is it a different animal? How are you approaching it? It, it, In a way, it's way more fun because I'm basically in control and I write all the lyrics. The the stress level is zero, pretty much. And uh, we we wrote it at their house on Pro Tools. And like I said, some of the songs just came out, and then I just had to listen to it, write the lyrics, and then do another take. Uh, just and we can be as silly as we want. It's not exact. It's not a vanity project because we're having a good time, but we want the songs to be really good. We have we have lots of basement take things that you know probably will never see the light of day except for ourselves. But um, <laughs> we're putting out what we like and. And are you guys going to do, like, are you going to come out with a new album? Because I know, when was the last time you guys, I think Vertical Mind isn't that old, right? When did Vertical right. Mind come out? Well, no, we just put it out again. We, we we took it back. We actually just put out one song. Okay. 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 The, so actually, it just came out, basically came out uh, two months ago. Right. So, uh. But I know the we're, B-52s we're are still... We have, we have a, a, a song, a video out now called Glitter Gulch, and it's about um, topless dancers taking over Las Vegas. I saw that. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh, yes, by the way, I would kick myself if I didn't tell you, like, Bat Baby is one of the greatest videos I've ever seen. I recently went and watched that. It is an amazing piece of, like, cinematic, like, just visually, it's crazy to me. Oh, it's, yeah. We have a lot of fun doing anything we do. Obviously. Yeah, we try. It's so hard not to laugh. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's just such a kickback. I used to watch, like, Creature Feature on Captain 20 in D.C. Do you remember that, Odell? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And um, it just was like a throwback to that. And I was like, oh, my God, this reminds me of Creature Feature. Like, I used to stay up late on Saturday nights without Saturday my parents' permission. <laughs> And like, yep. like throw the blanket over my little black and white TV and stay up till one in the morning watching Creature Feature. And it was a throwback. And that's what you give to people, Fred, is people see that and they go, oh, man, I could kind of escape the insanity of social media and this Trump administration bullshit and just kind of get sucked back into when I was like nine years old with the blanket over my head watching Captain 20. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we we want to we like the retro, the we do our own music. We, we're not going to follow any of the, what's out there now. Uh, that's, you know, yeah, you don't want to do that. No, you don't want to go. But, email. Uh, don't go email on me, Fred. Oh, no, no. I'll have a song, <laughs> uh, um, called truck. Uh, that's on, uh, the soup dragons, uh, the head guy from the soup dragons, uh, put out a, a compilation of all different people. And I do a song called Truck, and there's a video for that, too. And that's, oh, I've got to uh, check that out, then. That's awesome. Yeah, that, it's a it's a driving tune, let me tell you. All right, we got to get out of here anyways. Um, okay. Fred, I cannot tell you what a thrill this has been. Before you go yes. out the door, please tell everybody where we can find you online and also what you've got coming up this summer, because I know you guys are still doing some 40th anniversary um, shows with the B-52s, right? Uh, yeah, till, uh November. And uh, also, next year, we're doing uh, the 40th anniversary for the first album. Nice. Um, where are you guys doing that? Do you have a tour schedule set up yet, or is everything still kind of up in the air? For next year? No. Uh, 
we're still adding to this tour <laughs> this year. Coming through Knoxville by any chance? Uh, Tennessee? Yeah, that's where I am. And Odell's in Baltimore. Uh, no, I think the closest would be Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta's you're, good. You're playing Virginia, uh, too, right, Fred? playing Virginia. We're playing Tennessee. We're playing uh, Louisville. Louisville's not bad Louisville. either. No, no. I know. I know. I saw that you were playing in Virginia, so I, I might have to head on down yeah, to that play, one. Uh, yeah, we we do that every year on our own, but we're doing it with uh, Culture Club this year. Oh my God! Whoa. What an experience that would be. Okay. Yeah, all right. It's, it's Culture Club Bus and um, Human League. Holy Human cow! League. I don't know. Whoa! Man, I've yes. years. Holy moly! Okay. <laughs> do you guys yes. tend to um, play with the bands of your era? Do you go out and play with like the newer bands? Because I, I, I'm not into much newer music, and maybe that's because I'm becoming a begrudgingly like old man or whatever. But it's like a lot of the new like Panic at the Disco and stuff like that. It just doesn't do it for me. You hush. Uh, we we work with the uh, a lot of the bands that uh, are contemporaries, and it, we get people of all ages showing up because our fans, their kids like what their parents like and because it's better music. Yeah. And that's one of the good things I always say is when I was little, my dad was like drinking martinis and listening to the Smothers Brothers and all this shit I couldn't relate to. But our kids listen to the same music we listen to. They watch the same shows. Like the generations are a lot closer now culture wise. Yeah. I mean, I know so many people who could care less about what's going on uh, musically, except for alternative, what you know, good alternative uh, bands and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be, we'll be, we'll be around. All righty, fair enough. That is awesome. We're gonna get out of here, Odell. You got anything in closing? Because we've got to get Fred out of here. No, I just want to say thank you for all that you do and continue to do. Um, I think Love Shack. I think your B fifty twos as a whole, like just the the fact that you appreciate so much, like the, the your influences come from everything which you talk about and which you you definitely is definitely is evident in in all the stuff that you do. So I, I me being African American, I truly uh, adore that and 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 really enjoy all that you do. Well, actually, there was a a deep. Uh, named Mojo in Detroit, and he totally liked uh, Mesopotamia. And our, oh, okay. our first manager says, why do you want to cross over? Why do you want to lose all your uh-huh. fans? I said, uh, Gary, I happen to like soul and funk better than rock. Um, yeah. You grew up on Motown, right? Oh, yeah. I was, I was the biggest uh, Motown nut. I spent all my confirmation. Confirmation, no, yeah, confirmation money on $3 Motown and Soul Singles. Oh, it's awesome. All righty, we got to get out of here. We're going to end with some Fred Snyder and the Superions. Fred, we're going to play some Stampede at the Petting Zoo. Oh, uh, that's, that's probably my favorite. Mine too, All Fred. Right. Awesome. I can't tell you what a treat it's been. This has been like a true thrill for us. Thank you so yes, much. Thank you so much, Fred. Us, Fred. Thank you for the spin. All righty, guys, we are out of here and we'll be posting some new shows over the next couple weeks. All right. Take it away, D. Thanks, Fred. It was just another summer's day down in Lemonville, FLA. Everyone was laughing, having fun, and then something went terribly wrong. Pixie the Pony was acting strange, then Poppy the Platypus went insane. It was a sight horrible to see when all of the animals broke free. Stampede at the petting zoo. Run, 
Oh, look at all those people. Oh! 